0: Hello everyone and welcome to The Power of Music Thinking. My name is Christoph Zurn, and this is the podcast for people with a musical heart and a wicked job. We're looking for stories, insights and tools from the big world of music to inspire leaders and followers to listen, tune, play and perform in whatever field you're operating. My guest today is Sharon Stewart, musician, poet, researcher, piano teacher and deep listener. We learn about the Center for Deep Listening at Rensselaer and the deep listening retreats by composer Pauline Oliveros and the many ways to listen. For example, listening in dreams, embodied listening, and that deep listening is about doing, writing, practicing, and experiencing. We talk about text scores, guiding principles, and using this in a non-musical context. And we also chat about the listening presence of leadership, and that we all might benefit when this would shift from just listening to, to listening with and Sharon reads one of her text scores that she contributed to the listening guide for Quarantine that was published at the beginning of the pandemic. Okay, let's get into it. Hello Sharon, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, thank you so much Christoph for inviting me. It's lovely to be here.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to, to our talk today. Today we, we talk about listening, and that's in some way strange if we talk about listening and not just listen. So, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of things that, uh, that we share together. Um, mm-hmm. But I w- want to start with, with one question, a personal question. What was your first memorable concert or sonic experience that had an impact on you?
1: Oh, I have immediately two. Is that possible?
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: uh, The one is when I was much younger, and um, I grew up in kind of a sectarian church. So not the really scary type, but the type that really believed we are the people of God and people not in the church are outside, a little bit related to Seventh-day Adventists or Jehovah's Witnesses. And um, I loved the singing. So I think I remember uh, there was one of these high notes, I don't know, yeah, about probably I don't know C or D or E, and I remember standing on the chair next to my mother, and reaching for this high note with my voice, and I and that moment of feeling my voice blending in with the other voices, I can still get chills. So when when you feel that the vibrations are and you're melting in, but you can still hear them, and you so that was a real. Um, yeah, powerful moment for me, yeah,
0: so the, yeah. the blending from the personal to the communal or
1: yeah, of course, now I would say that. I think it was it was just uh, I suddenly just the vibrations cl- and i I wanted to get that note, you know, whatever <laughs> and and then it just all, and then I, yeah, I just felt part of that collective sounding in this very easy, fluid way. And I I just, this thrill filled me. I thought, oh, I love this so much. Um, Yeah, unfortunately, I turned to piano because I think I would have made, I would have much more enjoyed singing now that I (laughs) say that. But um, yeah, and the other was uh, the thrill. uh, I grew up in North Georgia too. And my mom, um, no, this is, there was that piano duo to, Young women, they were sisters. I believe they were French. Les anyway, they she took me to a concert of theirs. It was the first uh, like piano duo with lots of fun things, like the entertainer Scott Joplin, and so forth. And just, and they were really you know jazzy, fun. And and then I heard the or- the orchestra and the violin section live. And I think I was a young teenager for the very first time in my life. I believe I'd heard maybe little ensembles and the violins. And I just, oh, maybe I was 11. And that also took my breath away. Yeah, again, it's this sounding together, the high pitches. I guess I tended to like higher pitches (laughs) and seeing them also uh, playing in unison, like also just the movement and probably something about that highly focused discipline which is then later with my listening practice, something that I tried to understand because it can be very healthy, but also can be unhealthy. So that um, the movement together, this very um, yeah encompassing sound that just also thrilled me. I, I, had, I did a bit of violin for a year or two, but I was already 12. And then I was standing on the stage with little kids. So then I thought, <laughs> OK, <laughs> but I did like sitting in my room, kind of cross-legged on the floor and then trying to find you know the tone. And that's also, I think, very good for pianists because um, you're actually trying to find a pitch rather than just, you know, hitting the key. So yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely. That's the easy part, or the it it looks like the easy part.
1: Yeah. Um, So thank you. Those were two. Yeah. Really. um, Yeah. In a way, now I see there is a relation that why they came up together. Yeah. Mm.
0: Nice. Um, Sharon. Can you tell us a little bit more about, about you, about your back, background, who you are, and what do you do for a living?
1: Yes. So I've already mentioned that I grew up in this church. I actually went to the university of that church in Big Sandy, Texas. It was called Ambassador University at the time. Ambassador College and it became a university. Um, but it was also disintegrating. And I had the opportunity, and this was also very formational, to go on a project for one year between my third and fourth year of doing a bachelor in business administration, Um, but doing a lot of uh, like amateur accompaniment. So I accompanied the choir on their tours and stuff. And so I was able to go to Amman, Jordan, so in the Middle East. And um, I had done that also on a previous um, summer for a six-week-long um, archaeological dig in Umm al-Jamal, and that's in the north, it means the mother of camels, and it was a little area, and we worked with um, Calvin College um, together, and that trip was amazing. It really, um, I was thrilled by traveling through Jordan and seeing the, you know, um, the beauties of the country, but also with people who are really knowledgeable about the history, so they yeah. would... Um, with Petra, you would have the whole um, talk beforehand. Anyway, so I, when I was in um, Jordan, I met my Dutch partner, which is why I'm now in the Netherlands, who was working for the World Health Organization. And after I completed my degree, I actually went back another year. And those two years, I worked um, in, in the National Music Conservatory, and that was under the El Al Hussein um, Foundation with uh, Queen Noor. And um, I think she met it with, with uh, King Hussein at that time, and um, and oh, then thing. Mm. And
0: what what kind of music did she do in the in the concerto?
1: Well, it was because and this is we'll talk about maybe a bit of, about colonialism later yeah. because it was um, you know things were chopped up um, and okay Lebanon was more of. Uh, French related, um, you could say also governed, and they had a very strong British system. So they did the um, Associated Board for the Royal Schools of Music. So I taught piano lessons there. I also uh, taught theory to a class from the Associated Board of the Royals, KBRSM um, methodology, feeling a little weird. But what was also interesting is I worked with another um, woman to create, try to create lesson materials for teachers without any music experience Hmm. to teach music in an elementary school. Um, situation. But here we go. That's when I became confronted with the fact that Western music is not all music. Um, and why in the world are when there's like the intricate melismas, the intricate drum patterns of the um, you know, Middle Eastern music, why in the world are we sitting there with one two three four <laughs> quarter note and the fact that the language runs you know in you know uh, right to left and music runs left to right so I think this was probably the seeds also of my uh, critical also look at you know this is not the history you know it's the history of Western music or this is Western music theory but it's not all of it by any means and it's actually a mm-hmm. s- one small historical thread. So I didn't realize that at the time. So after that, I went through, uh, I um, joined my partner then in Paris, France. So um, in the Bois de Boulogne was a little regional uh, conservatory, and they let me study some uh, histoire de musique, and analyse de la musique in French. And I managed somehow to pass also a couple of courses. <laughs> and I worked... Um, with a piano teacher there and did kind of like a four-up lighting for um, going into conservatory um, in the Netherlands. And so the minute I I arrived here, I headed to Utrecht and then got my master's in the Hague in music pedagogy. So that was all a very long time ago, it feels (laughs) like now. And um, since then, I kind of trained myself in um, more like the sound design so becoming familiar with logic, I think it was logic nine at the time. Recording um, and uh, working on little, uh, uh, um, yeah, creating uh, sound works using not only musical instruments but found sounds.
0: Well, what what is sound design? So the um... yeah.
1: So this, when I don't when even people know. listen to
0: us, say, "Oh, what sound design?" So, is, is it like uh, shaping an instrument, or and, and we also had in in one of the earlier episodes, uh, Steve Keller, and he's mm. uh, from from uh, the, about sonic, uh, sonic branding and, and things like this. So, what what does where where is sound design?
1: I realize uh, I probably shouldn't have used the word sound design. So, uh, let's say sonic works like. At, so, for me. The first thing I really worked on was something called Bo's book, and it was a children's book based on um, a non-gendered child and also not easily definable um, as yeah, although yeah, probably yeah, European or North American, and but the child is very sonically oriented, so um, it sees a. Um, the, uh, spoon swinging and just fig- trying to figure out which sounds might um mm. so it was maybe like a horse feel or, so, or something like Yay. that um and and that was really arduous work because i' not only oh no to finish my master's i had created something called sirens which <laughs> which was kind of wild um but that was mostly piano and voice but this one i was really trying to find sounds that that would express the playfulness of a child and also the, the narrative, but also in a very dreamlike way. So kind of like inner thoughts, inner like Mm daydreams. And, and now what, um, in the end, what I've done, and I've worked since then with a few, um, uh, usually dance solo or dance duo with dancers and Mm -hmm. one theater uh, work. And um, what I'm doing is using field recordings actually, so a combination of field recordings effects, and then really trying to get into the atmosphere of what's been uh, listened for, not looked for but listened for yeah,
0: very good. Uh-huh.
1: And creating also now my voice is also pausing, um, works with enough silence that the sound doesn't dominate but it works as one element both with what's going on on stage as well as I think the auditory and visual imagination of the audience. I find that very important. Um, So there's immersive works but I really like for me, the audience needs to kind of also do something to involve themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's more like a, a kind of a, what's that in English now? A uh, a, to, to, a to seduce locker. them to yeah, seduce
0: to, to, them to to for interaction
1: to get involved, even if it's not. I have we haven't gone into the area of actual participation, although I would love that. But um, to um, get imaginatively active,
0: mm. oh, like great.
1: oh, if there's a silence, what am I hearing, or yeah. what am I experiencing
0: yeah, yeah. I, I i also asked about the sound design because you mentioned you've um, you've been in paris and mm-hmm. when uh. i hear paris and sound design i think at um, pierre Schaeffer or pierre henry mm-hmm. okay. that 1948 did um yeah, let's let's call it experiments to just record something and 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 work uh, and, and and work with with that material. So the the, the famous uh, song was about a, a creaking door, and he did all the variations of that creaking door, and you make a musical piece out of it. And in, nowadays we'd say, oh, we just sample and play and and and, and play with the samples. So this is something uh, that, that that reminds me uh, to it. And also talking about spatial hearing um, in group de recherche musical, you have the the loudspeaker orchestras, and I heard. Them once uh, in, in in a concert, and, and you are sitting in, in in a concert hall, and there's only one uh, person at the at the mixer, on the mixer. So that's the compu- composer, a producer, and then you have 120 different uh, loudspeakers. That's it, and you really when when you hear the songs, you really can see that it comes exactly from one there on the right side and the other tone on another side. So that's so, um, yeah, that was just um, uh, popped up in my mind.
1: <laughs> that's heard, a beautiful experience. How did you how did you experience that in your body physically? Was it quite amazing or
0: yeah, it, it was more the um, let's say the, the 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 experience to to. To experience something that you have never heard before in that way so if, mm-hmm. if people are in, in in a room and everybody's talking they say oh he's far away he's closer but with music that is composed for this so so that's that's uh, uh nowadays we call every everything electronic music but these were the pioneers and in a way uh, uh like uh, Stock, also stockhausen with electronic music where you take one sinus and and another one let's <laughs> and make something new that was never that was really unheard but, but, yeah, but that was in, more m- yeah. my my uh, uh, the, the thing that, that I just uh, get triggered. I
1: love specialized music. And in 2012, there's the uh, ZKM, Zentrum für Kunst und Medien in Karlsruhe. Zentrum
0: für Kunst, I studied in Karlsruhe, I worked there.
1: Ah, okay, <laughs> then you know the Klangdom.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah.
1: So I experienced that for the first time in 2012. Mm-hmm. In a smaller version, it was I think only six, only sixteen or twenty-four speakers. They had used it for the sound yep. art um, exhibition, and you could see the software working. And and I that was I just how that impacted my body was amazing. Mm-hmm. And there's also this 4D sound by Paul Oman. Um, that's a huge, with these pillars, with special Omni speakers embedded in them. Mm. Ah, it's a, I I think Bloom is a special, ah, I shouldn't say things that I don't know for sure, but Bloom, uh, speaker design is a Dutch, I believe Dutch product. Anyway, that, and they were working together with Ableton to really create, a, um, also a software and now, now they're in Budapest. So, um, with a, a lovely, uh, center so maybe yeah you could go so it's a residency too and they're very very interested in sound spatiality and listening uh-huh. so this is a lovely oh. um so, yeah, a for so, you. So,
0: so there there are many experiences there but um sharon you you also are a researcher in in in, in artes and um you're also talking about deep listening and, and that's a word yeah. that we hear a lot the 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 Let's say the last years, and if you have a musical background, so deep listening is connected with certain kinds of deep deep listening. I have to say, and uh, some sometimes people just just use it to yeah to to indicate that you have to listen very deeply. But can you tell us a little bit more about your deep listening journey?
1: Yes, I would love to do that. So um, when I graduated from um, when I was graduating from my masters, I came into contact with the deep listening CD. By Pauline Oliveros and, um, and Stuart Dempster and Toys of if I have
0: to um, get his name. Maybe, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about Pauline Oliveros because I think yes. we, we we know it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I think a lot of people don't understand who she was. We, we have to say mm-hmm. she passed away. I think four, five years.
1: Yes. So yeah, four and a half. So you're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. She
0: was not uh, famous um, like other musicians are famous, but very, very well known. Has a lot of influence also in different musicians. So, uh, so, but, but you, you met, you met her, right?
1: Yes. And um, so, uh, Pauline Oliveros was born in, in 1932 in Houston. She worked in the um, San Francisco Tape Music Center. She did a lot in these kind of pioneering. Um, electronic music uh, systems also in Toronto that were being set up. She worked at the University of California, San Diego, setting up a, a kind of a new music program there. And later um, she uh, worked on her, um, yeah, say her own um, art, kind of moving away. And then she, and towards um, the end of her life, she was at the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, which is where I now also uh, work as a core teacher for the Center for Deep Listening. Yeah, right. Um, so, um, so that's a a very, very quick story about this amazing, incredible woman, Paulina Oliveros. So what happened was I came across this, uh, CD and I, the minute I heard it, it was on some very bad speakers and it was, you know, I don't know, iTunes or whatever. I was immediately like, lightning went through. I thought what is, what is this music? It was an improvisation in a 2 million gallon cistern with this natural resonance. And um, I I looked into her and I she was part of my um, writings at the time, my thesis. And then in 2008, I think the beginning of 2008, I thought oh, what's going on with deep listening? <sighs> And um, I looked online and they, I saw that they were having a, a retreat in Cork, oh, yeah. Ireland. So yeah. I went to that in retreat, which was mind boggling. And then I went to two consecutive retreats after that in um, Dartington in England and one in Caminera in Spain. So 2008, 2009, 2010. And in 2010, I completed my certificate. Um, yeah. uh, so I became a certificate holder in deep listening. And during the retreats, what you experience is um, also periods of of nonverbal communication. So Mm. they don't call it silence, right? Because silence doesn't really exist. But you're not tapping into the verbal. So you're communicating without um, words. And that was extending from a period, I think, of like somewhere in the evening till uh, around lunchtime. So in that that sense, it had one of those, that meditative theme. And we would get up early in the morning and go with Eloise Gold, who is a dancer, Tai Chi instructor, talented choreographer, and really beautiful, funny woman. And we would take these um, morning walks with a um, certain um, uh, thing we would repeat as our feet, touch the ground. And we would do um, exercises to encourage receptivity of the body, hmm. and it then it sounds a mean, bit
0: like like mindfulness also. There
1: so, are, so if you yes. nowadays
0: go to mindfulness, so you know we have a perspective from the music and from hearing and listening, but a lot of people would say this is some kind of mindfulness. And uh, um, were there also non musicians there, or was this only musicians?
1: the lovely thing is there were i believe yes absolutely the from the first time i went there was a visual artist there who was not trained in music um and let me think yeah i i, I can't remember it's quite a while ago but i that's the nice thing is that it doesn't yeah the practice does not require you to have a musical background or any specialized training. Mm-hmm. Everyone can participate.
0: Body has two ears and can listen.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you can participate, I believe, also if your um, cochlear hearing is not functioning. So oh. I do believe that um, I do, and that's something that the last scores that I wrote for um, listening quarantine for Soundtrack City, yeah. I made them listening scores that should be performable also by people who don't use um, ears. Function differently than ours, who are um, even profoundly deaf. So yeah. um, that that's an important aspect for me. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, so maybe just talk a little bit more about about the retreat and how retreat. this worked, and then come back to what you just mentioned to the listening guide for quarantine, because mm-hmm. this was the, in, in the pandemic. You had some suggestions what people could do uh, when they're all of a sudden have to stay uh, inside homing inside out but but first again the the retreat how long was the retreat and what do people do there is this some kind of location that you could um that people could do and um and then i talk let's say people that are maybe not so much uh, infected by music and everything uh, that you can hear like the two of us but uh, people that think hey wow this is interesting i should dive a little bit more into this
1: then it was five days long and my goodness, it was intense. I mean, you were just, because, you, you know, as you said with mindfulness, then and it was like, so after this morning, opening the body practice, we would go into meditative listening practices. So global focus, listening, remembered sounds, imagined sounds all kinds of lovely um, ways of listening, exploring your listening habits. And then you have um, little text scores. So sonic um, meditations or text scores that are little algorithms, Mm. like give sound, receive sound. Mm. These kind of that, if you just start that process, you can um, create a, you know, a work. And these were kind of... uh, these had very specific uh, like, uh, yeah, rules, little text scores that you would follow. But the outcome was very dependent on the group. Mm-hmm. And that was what uh, was so beautiful there. Uh, I'll give one very important example for me. It's called... kind of, it, This one never became codified in her um, anthology of text scores. But we've kind of, as the community... Where with, with the deep listening community um, we've created it, it's, you do a very extremely so, slow walk, mm. and at the same time you sing a childhood song that meant something to you deeply as slowly as possible. Oh. So you have this and in the beginning, it's this kind of kind of cacophonous, um, kind of uh, amorphous, kind of moving cloud of sound. And then slowly, because we're as humans we entrain, so we start connecting. and then you start like suddenly things you just hear it as you click, it. maybe it's the same experience I had as a child. Suddenly, the whole yes. thing just starts to make sense. Oh. And, and, and it really brought tears to my eyes the first time of, ah, because it's not only it's just how we are as humans. It taught me something about what a group of humans who slow down, who listen, how they start to actually come in phase with each other, you know, just like a school of fish. And that what I thought, aha. And it's very hard to put into words, but it's something I thought this is, and I think John Cage did say, now I understand true harmony when he experienced something by Pauline Oliveros. And I'm, I might not be quoting it right or citing it correctly, but that's that's the harmonious aspect of human interaction with sounding and with listening. And then this is very lovely. Towards the um, evening, we had dream work with Ione, or Ione sometimes she's called, and that is the creative partner and the artistic director also, and the um, partner of uh, Pauline. And she's, a magical dream keeper, dream weaver, and it was about listening in dreams. Mm. So entering a 24-hour listening, um, listening in every possible way to everything possible here, no matter what you are doing. And that's kind of the um, deep listening quote by Pauline. So entering into this heightened state and the mindful state of listening and remembering when you're not listening but yes it is exhausting at the end of that i was kind of like a little you know one of those little wires that would just kind of, <laughs> of vibrate with every little sonic input so um but beautiful transformative um uh, many levels i mean i could we could talk for another 2 hours <laughs> and very very funny funny people we broke because we had to be quiet during dinner or something and we were in this part of this hotel restaurant in 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 cork and suddenly we just kind of spontaneously burst out into one of these like you know <laughs> kind of crazy rhythmic things with the plates and the wall fixtures and someone singing this little mini opera and it was yeah just so much fun yeah
0: great yeah. um, what what fascinates me um, with w- w- what you say and and also when we talk about uh, deep listening um, everybody can can hear or everybody can listen and and also your example of listening in dreams th- th- that's a nice thing if you ask people to close their eyes that's easy if we ask them to close their their ears they need two fingers or a headphone and even if um, this also means that even in your dream, you get some kind of information or you hear in, in, in a dream. So I think that's, that's one part. And the other part is that it's not only interesting for musicians, it's also interesting for everyone to, 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 to understand what you hear and to understand when you listen and to understand how you listen. And sometimes I ask people, how do you listen to your business? What does this mean? And you can ask is any person in, 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 with any uh, profession to how do you listen? How do you listen to your kids? How do you listen to your partner? And, and, and that's an interesting uh, part. And we just talked about the The listening guide for home quarantine. So uh, when the pandemic started, I saw I saw a link that, that that you wrote a PDF about what people can do in quarantine. Or can you elaborate a little bit more? on Yeah, that?
1: and I'm going to get the little book because it's very important that I give credit where credits due, because I just contributed as an artist. Um, oh, I have them here, but the rest upstairs. Okay, so this is a, a publication by Soundtrack City, Mystifiers, and Stein, and uh, that is in um, with um, Michiel Huisman and uh, Guy Wood, Vivian McGillivray. Oh, I've never said her last name. McGilvery. She's lovely last name. <laughs>
0: I will, and, I will also put the yeah. link into the show notes the, because people can just download it for free, right?
1: Right. This yep. is free, open access, and I they asked me to contribute around embodied listening. Mm. So that's and that's the connection where I thought, do I nest if I'm doing embodied listening? Can I just listen with my whole body? Yeah. So what vibrations am I picking up? What sensations? And that was where um, the. Um, connection with that you do not particularly have to be a person who kind of hears in the yeah. um,
0: everybody yeah, can normal, everybody yeah. can listen and everybody can have an experience of or listening with your whole body and and maybe this sounds a little bit too much for people that never heard uh, about listening but it, it's also the way how you listen to your employees and how you do your your the, the things that you do in, in, in day, daily life so how open are you for that information that it's already there but it's maybe not not yet inside of your of your ear or inside of your understanding, but can I, you can you yeah. d- d- give us a, a few examples um uh, of your of the suggestions that you did? So, c- can you share them with us?
1: Yeah. So I I wrote four scores, and I because of this listening and dreams, it was important for me to frame it like you have the hypnotic and the hypnagogic moments when you're waking up and going to sleep, and these can be moments where because you're um, dream brain functioning kind of switches over into your waking Mm -hmm. or or the other way around and it can open you if you're talking about listening to little insights maybe emotional insights maybe little words of wisdom sometimes people will hear words as they're waking up and suddenly they realize oh and there's i mean this documented that a lot of uh, um yeah some of the i think even the um what the the table of um Elements was kind of a um, something that happened when that scientist who I don't know now uh, realized that as he was waking up, might have been yeah. Look that up again. Yeah,
0: Yeah. normally they would say it's a eureka moment, but actually it was like in that stage of between sleep and waking up i think it's the rem uh, no
1: that's the rapid eye movement that's in the deep sleep so this is, ah, okay. is when when you're i think for me i'm not sure i'm not a neural uh, neuroscience but you're i think it's the the um lowering of the action in the frontal cortex that's trying to rationally process things because that's the state you can come in when you're also improvising yeah. and uh, you right. kind of turn off the um you try to the the Mm self-critiquing aspect anyway oh you're so interesting we could oh no okay i'll try (laughs) to i'm very associative thinker so i can go off
0: on it and and sharon maybe maybe Mm. one thing because you you Mm. mentioned the the word score and we haven't often about musical score but um, Mm. you know in 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 the music thinking framework that, that i developed i'm i i use everything as a score that can help you to do something so that, that's yeah. a very easy one, and 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 that's what I think is interesting. And I think it came in some way from uh, Pauline Oliveros, because when when she made the score, there are a lot of text scores, and and I think the the suggestions that you did, and maybe you can read out one or or, or two. There are text scores, and then people can try to yeah to 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 see what this does with them.
1: Wonderful. Okay, so I'll. Do score one, listening to waking up. So if you have a natural awakening, sense yourself waking, but keep your eyes closed. And if you wake up with an alarm clock, turn off the alarm and close your eyes. Listen to the atmosphere of your dream space. Breathe and listen. Slowly open your senses to the atmosphere and vibrations of the room, the street, the neighborhood, surroundings. Open your senses as far as you would like. Breathe and listen. Let the atmosphere of your dream space linger as you arise.
0: Did you get feedback on from from people that that, that tried it out?
1: There is a a researcher in Canada now who is um, doing a project where he is getting um, qualitative data using (sighs) this book and the various. But that I haven't. um, Have someone? No, I haven't. I would like, people can, in the book, yeah, you can, it doesn't make sense to no, show it to people in the podcast.
0: But. That's the easy part. We, we will do in the show note, we will uh, set in the PDF, and if listeners try out a few of your, of your scores, we ask them to give a feedback via Twitter or directly, uh, directly to us wonderful why i love this so much is that sometimes in in in, in when we communicate together either um, uh, in in society or in in business um Mm -hmm. we we have vision documents long pages Mm -hmm. and and most Mm -hmm. of them are just to show so with to show i mean this is um something like a vision is something that we would get in the in the future and in many uh, organizations mm, this is interesting but people don't know what to do and i love so much that these scores and these text scores meaning actually everybody can also write a text score so if we if we would do instead of powerpoints we would do text scores (laughs) i would say "Mm, that's maybe a very practical (laughs) a practical thing that everybody could do And and the inspiration is Pauline Oliveros or your PDF to really try to to give some kind of instructions. And it's and sometimes it's also sounds a little bit like a guiding uh, guided meditation, so there's something in between and and people can choose what resonates with them the the, the most.
1: This is and this was the one aspect that I didn't talk about. The deep listening retreat was creation. So always Mm. from the beginning, we were involved in creating either solos in duos in a group creating text scores to be performed either in the middle or at the end. And this is indeed once kind of, if you had a a question, you know, you're kind of, I think your flowcharts are kind of like a, a text score, but you could indeed create a pro like say, okay, this is we are having a communication problem or something create, you know, a text score in which we can, um, kind of work out this problem or something that would be a lot of fun and yes um and then yes I love that because deep listening is about doing and experiencing and the iterative practice of doing so if you write a text score you need to do it and you practice it and then you rewrite it and then you make it and then you refine it and you refine it through uh yeah an iterative artistic practice but it could be an iterative uh business practice absolutely yeah
0: and And yeah. entrepreneurs are also very creative. so that that's for me a very easy link. so so everybody yes. can 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 try out this. No, that's yeah, nice.
1: And what um, is, what I do and what I um, is encourage indeed, you are talking about all the ways, so say you're entering a, a group a meeting and there's everyone sitting around the table, and you know maybe you're running a bit late or whatever, a bit stressed. That you realize that with the quality of your listening, you can change the atmosphere in the room, and you know it's kind of related. Pauline was very attracted to the scientific practice of the observer observer principle, so that you will always have an effect on and you will the you know the data that you're observing. But this in in this sense is maybe use a little bit more as an analogy. As you go in and you just simply sit there you can already be listening on many different levels simultaneously as you practice. So you listen to your own body of like, okay, you know, what's going on with me now that I'm a bit late, you notice how you're picking up on the uh, body language signals of those around you. You're often picking up so many subtle uh, signals from people that you you were talking also about the um, fact that we cannot close our ears as we can close our eyes, but we have this auditory um, cortex that filters incredibly. So often what you're doing is you're getting important information, but because maybe it seems to be too much for you at that moment, you're filtering it out. Mm. So you, and everyone has their own filtering habits. So maybe because of, of, of a childhood trauma if someone seems a bit angry, you're, you know, either that might immediately um, cause you a lot of distress, or you might completely filter that out because you just do absolutely have chosen as an adult not to deal with that. So as you, and this all affects receptivity, and receptivity then affects how you're able to engage again. And the whole the whole Sonic Meditations were about the fact that our society is often geared on giving information, marketing, getting your little 10-second, um, you know, uh, what's it called? Punch, not punchline, what's it called? The punchline
0: little, or uh, soundbite. Soundbite,
1: your little soundbite, your little sell point.
0: Snackable content, <laughs> all these uh, ugly words. <laughs>
1: And she was already very concerned about, okay, what about genuine receptivity? So what? Um, and this is this is um, given by the uh, kind of a very simple graph of if you imagine a circle, and in that circle is a little a little dot. So the circle is is kind of the full capacity of your conscious awareness, and that can be you know, incredibly large. So you can be in that meeting, listening to yourself, listening to your colleagues, paying attention to their body language, hearing what's going on on the street, thinking about, you know, what you might eat that evening. And you can be holding and paying attention to all these things equally. But, and that's the kind of awareness, a a big 360 degree awareness. You can also have the ability to focus so there's one detail that's very important okay what's that uh, um, comment that's just been said what's that um, feeling i'm feeling and what's that intuitive you know belief or what's my value here and you can really uh focus in and and really attend to that and then you can go back to that global and people like some people who say they have maybe attentional problems often are very good at that global listening. So everything's mm-hmm. coming in, and it's the focusing that presents problems for them. I, as a musician and someone who trained a musician, I was hyper focused. So I wanted to hear one thing. I could hear that one thing, but that meant I, I would neglect to hear. That cough in the audience when I'm performing, but that's that's the thing that then suddenly throws me off, you know. So that being able and that's um, to fluctuate between that multi-dimensional listening and the focus listening, and knowing what your listening habits are can have a profound effect on how you engage in a group, and you can be quietly sitting receptive the whole time and through the quality of your listening, and I've experienced this with Pauline Oliveros. I could cry. She had an amazing listening presence so that when you came in her presence, you stepped into uh, yeah, a deeply uh, and profound state of um, receptivity mm-hmm. and, and openness to all that is, you know, the continuum of sound and silence. So, well, um mm, yeah,
0: I, I like this this very much to to stress this that you say to have a listening presence. Huh? We, we always say um, leadership uh, or listening is a top leadership skill, and um, well, we we could uh, we could add to as a leader you you need a listening presence so i like this very much and i also like what you just uh, said a few few minutes ago the filtering habits to understand what are my my filtering habits so you're a, a musician and someone is coughing in the audience you try to filter it away because it has nothing to do what you are at the moment but also when we as a business or in society when we hear stuff so what information do we filter out because this has nothing to do where we focus now or um, where can we open uh, our filters but the most important thing to understand what, what that, that we have a filter and that it's uh, maybe also a decision or maybe so, so uh, maybe another word for bias but bias sounds so so abstract but filtering habit um, um, yeah I, I like this i like this very much
1: yeah, it's nice. It has this dial kind of thing, like you can dial your filter or something. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't mind, this is also kind of a uh, um, what is it? Uh, segue to or uh, segging into? Oh yeah, segway is a little thing, and I think segging into um, what I do believe, and I'm I'm also and we talked slightly about this before we started, it's a very have a critical um, look at Western business. And I believe you just hit on it. What the thing is, is what are you filtering out? And I believe that, you know, since the industrial uh, revolution, we have been filtering out our impact on non-Western groups and the impact of our own business goals on the entire world. And these have been consistently and violently and very uh, nastily filtered out in order to create, um, you know, kind of this wealth and for for a certain groups of society. And this has to do also with um, perceptions of value. And that's part of um, the listening practice is I'm, I'm developing an idea also within um, artes and, and the professor's theory in the arts. I just started a trajectory looking at ethics in the arts. And if you're talking about someone who has a leader, um, you, you are, yes, listening to people. But I also like to think you're also always listening with people. Ah, and you're listening with your environment, you're listening with insects, with the animals, with the water, with the soil, with the whole land, with the indigenous peoples of that land. And this has an ethical component because you, in that listening with, you are accounting for all the other ways of listening that are beyond your capacity i mean a a dolphin listens in ways we can't even begin to fathom a bat listens spiders listen they're you know doing research now trying to understand the vibrations i think it was was it mit i don't want to give mit credit for everything but they're doing a someone's doing a fabulous study on how spiders listen and that's also oh that's the third score becoming spider in in the book so look that up for the homing inside out i love spiders So, and when you listen with, you're accounting for that network of listening possibilities that you can't even begin to imagine. So uh, as a white settler who comes in and has not learned to listen with the land, you might listen to it, but you're listening to it with your filters. And that listening with has a component that you are also being listened to. So what you are doing and the message you are bringing and either the value you're adding or the destruction you are causing is being listened to by every living being in that environment. And if you're listening with that, you cannot help but to hear that as well. And that must be, and I'm quite, uh, you know, I'm also part of my uh, activities is is environmental activism. That must be um, a place where we all collectively go to to add true value, not monetary value, because that's just that's just an imaginary number. It has nothing to do with real value. So um, yeah, that's my little, uh, <laughs> that's like my preaching to the choir there. Thank you for smiling so <laughs> kindly at me. But I know you're working with institutions who also take this very, very seriously. And if we do not turn this train around by listening with each other, yeah, we're heading towards a pretty clear um yeah disaster point it within 10 years so um i'm you know feel passionately that um yeah we can do it <laughs> and we can use our incredible adaptability as humans but we need to also have a little bit of um humility and understanding our yeah our filters are limited uh listening in that vast network yes of listening capabilities. Mm. I
0: think that that's absolutely beautiful. And I, I really like that listening with. That's that's a really for, for me a great take out if we and and at least if we ask that question, whom are you listening with? And not just what do you hear? And uh, I I love this very much. So th- thank you very much Sharon to, to yeah to to share these insights with you. And how can people um, connect to you if they would like to know more about uh, about you? I will put the, um, the PDF in the show notes and everything, uh, all the, the the URLs that you that 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 you would like to to, to share.
1: Yes, and I, I'm I'm kind of hard to reach. I found out th- uh, <laughs> by someone. I'm a, I'm I don't have my own website. I have multiple. I have my own SoundCloud and so forth. Um, I give piano lessons still two afternoons a week on uh, handsonpiano.nl and there's a contact form there. You can get in touch with me that way. I am, Apparently, I'm reachable through um, Joke Alkema, <laughs> Studium General and Arte.
0: And I, I also like it very much. So if you want to talk with me, we, I have to book a lesson for Hands on Pianos. That's right. Sharon, <laughs> yes. thank you very much. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate this because listening is one of the top leadership skills and I feel honored about this. It is my mission to find, create and share inspirations for meaningful collaboration based on music analogies. If you want to support this, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating or write a review on iTunes or Spotify. And more inspirations can be found on musicthinking.com. We have a blog and you can download the Music Thinking Framework. And finally, I would love to hear your feedback. And if you need help with a business challenge, please reach out to me via email podcast at musicthinking.com.